Gracious God, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that it tells us who we are and who you are. We thank you that it tells us of who we are in Christ, that you have won the victory over sin and death, that you have created a whole new existence for us, and we pray that you would help us to live into that existence, and we pray that you would help us this day to receive your word, to understand it, and to apply it to our lives, and we know that we cannot truly most effectively understand it apart from your Holy Spirit at work within us, so we pray for the power and presence of your Holy Spirit to be with us, to strengthen us, to understand your word to us this day. Amen. Our scripture reading is from John chapter 21 as we continue looking at the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we will go with you. So then they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards out. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. These post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, when you think about it, you think they're sort of strange. When Jesus was walking before the crucifixion along with the disciples, he was always telling them things, teaching them things, helping them to understand the kingdom of God. In these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, it all sort of has this 
air of mystery about it, this air of lacking full disclosure, really. They don't always recognize him when he appears. And here, they know it's him, but initially they don't. And even on the shore, they sort of want to ask him, is it really you? But they know it is, so they don't. And we have to wonder, what does it mean? You know, you'd think when Jesus came back uh, from the dead, he would sit and talk to them and say, now, this is what all of this means. But we don't have any record of that. We don't have any record of Jesus explaining to the disciples what it means that he died and rose again from the dead. He just appears to them. He promises them forgiveness. He tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit. And he feeds them fish. But they still are wondering. And before this particular appearance, Jesus has appeared twice before. But Peter, I think, was starting to wonder... What's next? I understood Jesus when he walked with me and when he talked with me, when I could ask questions and he'd answer my questions, sometimes not the way I'd want, but still would answer my questions. But now he appears once a week so far, and I don't know what's next. So he does what many of us would do after reorienting his life completely around Jesus, giving himself to the work of the kingdom of God, and then finding all of that seems to be gone, even though Christ is risen, the work doesn't make sense anymore. So what does he do? He goes back to his old life. He says, what I understand, folks, is fishing. So guys, I'm going fishing. I'm going to start again back on the lake. Anyone want to come with me? And a lot of them said, yeah. And they try. They try fishing again. They put their net out all night long, and they catch nothing. They fail miserably, trying to go back to their life the way it was before. Because you really can't go back to life as it was before, once you have met Jesus And then someone calls out from shore. Do you have any fish? You know, and if you're a fisherman, you know that that's not the nicest question to ask unless you have a haul that you can say, yeah, look at this. But they say, no. Probably not the happiest of responses. But then Jesus says, put your nets out on the other side, on the right side of the boat. There you will find fish, and and sure enough, they do. This all is a parallel to what happens in Luke chapter 5. I'm just going to read this passage to you, Luke 5, beginning at verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, 
We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When he had done so, or when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats onto the shore, left everything, and followed him. So Peter's first call to discipleship, Peter's first call to change from a fisher of fish to a fisher of people, was accompanied by a similar miracle to what we have here. And I think the whole point of that that John is making is, look back at your first call, Peter, and remember what that was like, and that call has not gone away. You are still to fish for people. You are still to proclaim the kingdom of God in the world. It's interesting here uh, in in Luke, when, when Peter sees the miracle, his first response is to say, Jesus, get away from me, I'm a sinner. But then after his three years with Jesus, walking with him, knowing the forgiveness that Jesus offers, now in, in the John passage, when he sees this miraculous catch of fish, Jesus, uh, Peter's first response is to jump in the water and swim to shore. He wants to be with Jesus again. And it's interesting, Jesus demonstrates, I think, in both of these passages, the same principle. When we try to do our life apart from God, we fail. But when we are connected with God through Jesus Christ, what we do, and if we are seeking God, we will succeed. Now, that doesn't mean succeed in every way that we think we should, but we will ultimately succeed. And apart from God, as Jesus said in John 15, we can do nothing, nothing of value, nothing of ultimate purpose. So Peter, as he is tempted to walk away from this kingdom work, is reminded by Jesus once again that that walking away will not work. He will not be successful. His life will not have ultimate significance. So Jesus calls him back to the work of the kingdom of God. So we say, what then is the work of the kingdom of God? Well, it is to catch people. Now, this is not trickery. This, you know, it's not like um, digging holes in the ground and and putting uh, stuff over top so that people fall in. I caught you, or or putting bear traps out for people. No, 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 no. This is catching people in the way that we are winsome, we draw them in, we help them to see the wonder of God's kingdom, the wonder of God's love, the peace that we have in Jesus Christ. We are called to let other people know what we have in Christ. And this is the work of the kingdom, according to this first part of this passage, also according to Matthew 28. All authority, Jesus says, as he Uh, Before he ascends, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. 
that we call the Great Commission. This is the work that Jesus has given to his church. And it is about bringing people to know Christ. But then we have this second section of this passage. Jesus takes Peter aside and asks him, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I do. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. All these fish on the shore. And Jesus takes Peter aside and asks him some rough questions. One preacher said, for Peter, it's a fillet of soul. You didn't hear it. For Peter, it's a fillet of soul. <laughs> that was very nice, polite laughter. I appreciate it very much. It's not mine, but I did choose to use it. So, But can you imagine? But it makes sense, doesn't it? Peter's the one who said to Jesus, or said to people when Jesus was being arrested, tried and crucified, I don't know him. Three times he denied knowing Christ. So what's, doesn't it make sense that Jesus would come back to Peter and in helping him become restored to his calling say, do you love me? In other words, you acted like you didn't, but I think you do. And Peter is able to say three times, yes, Lord, I do love you. And the heart of Jesus is revealed in his response. What is the heart of Jesus when he interacts with Peter? The heart of Jesus is for the people. It's for all the people. Can you imagine you, Jesus, being in the sandals of Jesus at this point. He has given his life, sacrificed. He has walked with humanity for three years, walked before that in, as a human being, and his heart is for people. So when he knows that he's leaving the people, his heart is still for the people. He still wants people to know him. He still wants people to know God's love. He still wants people to grow in relationship with God, and he's not going to be there to do it. So he says to Peter, Peter, please, if you love me, feed my sheep. And in The fishing and the feeding, we find the fullness of our call. Uh, in the Matthew 28 passage, the Great Commission, it says, go into the world making disciples, teaching them. So it's not just evangelism, which is reaching out and telling people the gospel and saying, you better come to know Jesus. And it's not just staying within the comfort of the church and, and learning together and, and growing together. It's both. It's a both and call. It's reaching to the world with the gospel and working within the church to bring help and hope and teaching and learning and growth to the people of the church. The beginning of John says, 
the light came into the world. John says Jesus Christ is the light of heaven come into the world. As the, that light goes out of the world, the light of heaven is to continue to shine through the church. And the thing that I love, one of the things I love about this passage is that in reinstating Peter, and he, Jesus had said peace to the disciples in that upper room, uh, both visits, so there was already a sense of forgiveness, but this is more than forgiveness. This is the reinstatement of Peter and his call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to be one who carries out the Great Commission. And Jesus is telling him, you, and I, and I, like directly, but Peter knows. You failed. Peter knows deep down that he failed. He said, I'm not going to deny you. These guys might, but I won't. And then which one of them did? He did. And Jesus says to him, through this interaction, your failure has not disqualified you from your calling. And in some ways, folks, failure can qualify us for our calling. Those who have been through a struggle can help others who are in a similar struggle in ways that other people can't. Now, I had one of my youth group members try to convince me uh, on a ski retreat one week um, that you know, he should probably try to do all those things that we in the church were trying to help him not do, you know, the, the drugs and the you know, you know what people do. He said, because um, if I do that and I become part of that, that subculture, then I'll have a stronger voice to those people. And I said, but what will you say? Come to Christ and live just like you're living now? What kind of a hope or message is that? He did come around, not through just my words, but God got a hold of that guy convinced him otherwise. Now, so the point is not to pursue those things that will be failures, but if you have failed, to know that God can use those failures. God uses those failures to soften your heart toward others. God uses those failures to help others feel comfortable with you, and God uses those failures to change you to bring victory out of failure. And those stories of victory out of failure are great encouragement to those who are still struggling. And the part that I didn't read from this passage, uh, Jesus goes right after he says the last feed my sheep into telling Peter how he's going to die. He says, your hands will be stretched and that is most often a symbol uh, in that culture of you will be put on a cross. And indeed, Peter was crucified. The uh, church history tells us that he chose to be crucified upside down because he didn't find himself worthy to be crucified as Jesus was. In, was in fact, of all the 12 or the 11 remaining after Judas, only one lived a full natural life. All the others, 
because they had been confronted by this amazing miracle of the resurrection, because they had walked with Jesus and they knew that the ultimate hope is in the kingdom of heaven, all of them willingly were crucified, not crucified, but were put to death by people who didn't want this message to go forward. That's how strong their commitment was. And Peter, as Jesus is telling him this, I think Jesus is telling him this to say, you have failed, but look, your life is going to be a success for the kingdom of God so much so that you are going to be a threat to the world that doesn't want this message to get out. But Peter sees John walking up behind and says, hey, what about him? Can you imagine? These disciples, I mean, they're growing, they're getting better, but still, they're always in this comparison thing. What about him? And Jesus says, some of the best words in the Bible, what is that to you? And in so doing, he's saying, I have called you. I have called you to be faithful to me. I have called you to share the good news of the gospel with others. I have called you to the life I have called you to live. And I've called him to the life I've called him to live. Don't compare yourself, just be faithful. And there's one more thing I forgot to mention, so I'll do it quickly now. When Jesus says to Peter, do you love me more than these? I, can't, I haven't found the definitive answer to the question of who are these, but there are two that are one or the other is most, very most likely true. And the first is the other disciples, because Peter said, if they deny you, I won't. I love you more. So Jesus could be saying, do you still think you love me more than the rest of them? But another option, which I find a bit more compelling, is Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he points to the fish. Because he's asking Peter, do you love my kingdom more than this worldly kingdom? Do you love the calling that I've placed on your life more than you love whatever else it is that you would pursue in this life? And Peter's response is yes. And so should ours be. For the kingdom of God is glorious, far beyond any glory of this life. Let us not succumb to the temptation to go about our way as if there is no calling of God upon our lives. Let us trust in God's calling, in God's equipping, and in God's kingdom and live our lives by that kingdom. And in so doing, bring glory to God and deep and everlasting purpose to our lives. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for the risen Christ. Thank you for the hope that we have in him for life eternal, for the purpose we have in him for this life as we anticipate your eternal kingdom. Give us wisdom and give us strength to live faithfully for you. 
And on this Memorial Day weekend, we do give you thanks for those who were willing to suffer, willing to die for us. Help us to remain mindful of the sacrifices that others have made and to be willing to make sacrifices ourselves for the good of humanity and for the glory of your kingdom. Strengthen us for your service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.